Good evening, New Philly. Thank you. Okay, I'm very excited to preach the word today. Um, so we only have like a month left to this year. Can you believe that? It's so crazy. And it also dawned on me that this year's theme, do you guys remember this year's theme for our church? Year of Wisdom, right? And it wasn't really on my mind as I was preparing this message that I'm going to talk about wisdom uh, to do with dreams. And I'm not talking about dreams like when you sleep dreams, (laughs) but I'm talking about dreams of our aspirations, our uh, things that God put on our hearts to uh, go after, to pursue. And um, I just want to start off by asking you guys, how many of you guys have uh, dreams or a dream? Good. I I think we should all have dreams and, you know, a dream or many. Because I think having dreams is, um, in other words, like ambitions or aspirations, is a sign of hope for the future. Right? In fact, what's one of our nine core values? Do you guys know? Dream big, yes, I know. And we're really keen on this, uh, about dreaming big. And before I go into the things that God's been revealing to me about wisdom regarding dreams, I want to ask you guys, how many of you guys know uh, Walt Disney? Come on, who, who doesn't know Walt Disney? Raise your hand. Hi, I'm just kidding. I have great concerns for you. <laughs> If you don't know Walt Disney, I can set you up with our sister Marie Suazo and get a get a, a quick just um, you know training and education of Walt Disney. But let me put up the slides now. Well, actually, don't do it now. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry, <laughs> wrong signal. So I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that Walt Disney is probably one of the most well-known people in the world correct? And I was looking up different quotes on dreams, and I came across actually a lot of quotes by Walt Disney, and I just wanted to share some of them with you, because they're kind of cool. So first slide. If you can dream it, you can do it. It's deep, right? (laughs) And second one. Oh, you can't really read it, but it says, I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a mouse. And it's a picture of Walt Disney holding like Mickey Mouse or they probably like computer graphically like put them together. And next slide. It says, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Inspiring, right? Next. Keep calm and dream big. <laughs> they stole our uh, core value. <laughs> but keep calm and dream big. Next. No matter how your heart is grieving, if you keep on believing, the dreams that you wish will come true. Do you actually know what quote, who said this quote out of the Disney characters? Cinderella. Wow, you guys are amazing. (laughs) I had no idea. I was just going to kind of joke. It's a quote by Cinderella. (laughs) But it's kind of funny. You know, even Cinderella knows the power of believing. Come on, man. I think we, I think we gotta learn from this, these quotes. But I think Walt Disney had a point through all these quotes, you know. And we can see what he said about his, about dreams and having courage and going after these things. And it's actually true when we look at his life and the things that he was able to accomplish and the dreams that actually came true for him. 
And I think for us, as people of God, we need to do better. I think we need to do better. Not like, I don't want, I don't expect everyone to go out and make like Disney World, but I think we need to do better in the way of that we are being courageous and in the way we keep believing. And staying in the place of faith and hope. Because we're people of God, we belong to the Lord, and we were made in God's image. Come on, and we are the heirs of the Most High, and we have so many resources and so much things we can draw out of our Most High God. You know, how much more should we keep on believing? Should we keep on having courage to go after our dreams? And I don't even actually like that word dream that much, because I I just kind of want to call it like goals, visions, ambitions, because when you call something a dream... It sounds almost like it's not reality. And it sounds like it will never be reality. Oh, I have this dream to go to whatever, whatever, you know, and have my, you know, private jet. I know, like, people have dreams, but you dream about it, then you kind of keep saying, this is my dream, my dream, my dream. I feel like sometimes we lose the sight of it actually being able to become true. So I know, like, I kind of want to call it, like, Things I want to accomplish with God instead of dreams or, or my future achievements that are coming true little by little or something like that, right? But since that's too long for time's sake, I'm just going to keep calling it dream in my sermon, okay? But there's a story in the Bible I want us to look at together to gain wisdom regarding what to do with our dreams. So let's open our Bibles to 2 Kings 4. Second Kings four. I'm gonna read it for us. It's, I'm reading from ESV. Verse one, verses one to seven. Okay. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha. Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. This is a story of, it's called the widow's oil. And here's a widow that has a situation. She just lost her husband, who was probably the provider for the family. And her two boys are about to be taken away by his creditors to be sold as slaves. I know this is a bit different situation than pursuing our dreams. I don't think any of us are in a situation like this, as tough as this, where our sons are about to be taken away to be sold as slaves. Um, But I want to point out that here in this case, she is contending for something. 
you know, like we contend for something in our lives, which is a provision. And it probably actually sounded kind of dreamy for her to be able to, you know, imagine her life of living with her two sons at this point and not needing to worry about money. It sounds like a dream to her probably. And I want to point out, first thing uh, we can learn from this passage is verse 1, it says, um, the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha. And I want to point out that the widow asked, asked for help. She didn't stay silent about her situation. She didn't resort to hopelessness and just watch as her sons were being taken away. In this situation, she needed help, and she brought the situation before the Lord by bringing it to Elisha. And I want to ask you guys, are you bringing your dreams to God? Maybe some of you guys don't have a dream yet, but are you bringing that even lack of dream to God? Are you asking the Lord, God, I want something, uh, I, want, I want you to you know, bring excitement in my life. I want you to give me vision for my life. Are you bringing that even, even that lack of dream before the Lord? And maybe some of us are not asking God because we don't think that our desires or dreams are good enough or godly enough or important enough. Oh, you know, my dream isn't to become a missionary and go out to all the nations and save the broken and, you know, hurt it and, you know, enlarge God's kingdom. I, I just want to sing. I just like singing. And that's, I, I don't know if that's a good enough dream. You know, I, I love making cards. <laughs> Where is Eugene? <laughs> I wanted to give him a shout out, but I love making cards. But I don't know what I can do with it for God. Maybe I can make lots of money through selling cards and donate the money to charity. Maybe that's godly enough. You know? So I think so many times we squash our dreams or desires because they don't seem holy enough or good enough. Um, but he gives you the desires because he cares for you, not because he wants to use it only for his good. God is not a selfish God like that. You know, would you be shocked if I were to tell you God actually doesn't need your career to enlarge his kingdom. He doesn't need your career to enlarge his kingdom. He can definitely use your career to enlarge his kingdom, and he loves doing that. But, you know, he also just loves it when you do what you love and what God uh, gifted you to do. The things you are good at, God created you just fearfully and wonderfully with so many unique gifts inside of you. And he wants to see you living it out. He just loves seeing you being you sometimes. And in the end, he's the one that gave you that creativity. You know, parents just love watching their kids do things they love doing because it gives them joy. Pastor Christian kind of talked about this two weeks ago, about how everyone was made so uniquely and differently. And we're not a mass production, but we are rather a masterpiece, each one of us. And if we all have so many different ways of connecting with the Lord, how many more different dreams would we all have as each unique, you know, individuals? And I want to point out that there's no such parent who is a good parent that wants to sing, wants to see the child sing and dance only because it will benefit them. That's, that's not, you know, that's selfish. And God is the one that created you to love singing, writing, 
doing business, teaching, preaching, all of that. You know, um, I actually had a really scary revelation and conviction from the Lord this sometime early this year that I was praying about, I guess, my specific callings. I know my calling. I know my, you know, my, my specific, I guess, things I'm already, you know, walking out, like, you know, being a missionary with the orphanage kids and being a pastor, you know, is part of my calling. But then at the same time, I felt really convicted that God was telling me, hey, Sky, did you know that you're actually your number one priority should be design? And I was like, that sounds blasphemous. <laughs> I was like, no, God, that can't be. You know, that's not as like godly or holy as being a missionary or being a pastor. I have, I, I don't think, you know, this is, I'm hearing this right. I thought it was my selfish desire. When God said, you know, you're neglecting your most important calling right now of being a designer. And I was like, what? That makes no sense. <laughs> but God kept convicting me and telling me that you're created to be creative. And yes, I'm not saying it's not important to be a pastor. It's not important to be a missionary. But, you know, for you specifically, I designed you in a way that you should be living out your calling by being a designer. And I, I really had to um, wrap my head around that and really ask God for understanding for that. And after I received that conviction, I shared it with my husband. And I'm just so thankful that, you know, he is with me to walk through this search of, okay, then what should I do with my, call, you know, gifting? What should I do with my talent? What should I do with this priority, first priority calling? So we've been searching for that. We've been praying into that. You know, for God to open doors and make it clear for me how I can be his designer. So my point is that God cares about your dreams. You know, your, your dreams are important to him unless it's something not good for you. Or unless it's something evil. Like, I don't know. I don't even know about evil, evil dream. But maybe like, maybe you want to be a something, you know, become a certain thing. But maybe you're not supposed to do that. But, you know, like having clarity about your calling is a whole another, I guess, uh, sermon to preach. But that's why you have a covering in this house and direction that you can, you know, guidance that you can kind of walk through with your small group leaders and, you know, your different leaders. But I'm just talking about when you know that these dreams and desires are good. But even say like this dream, I don't know. I'm not sure if this is my dream or not. If I, know, I don't know if this is really my calling or not. Even that, bring it before the Lord. Ask God for wisdom in it. I ask God for guidance in it. Because he's, if it's not for you, he's going to still give you clarity than what is. He's going to guide you. He's going to, you know, shift things for you so that you can get clarity regarding what your dream is. What your calling is. Hmm. Yeah, and I also want to bring, point out that in this uh, in this story of the widow, I want you to look at verse one again. She says, "Your servant, my husband, is dead." And I want you to look closely when she says that to Elisha. "Your servant, your, my husband, is dead." I think, in a way, she's alluding that this is Elisha's responsibility. You know. If you're certain that your dreams are given by God, then it's God's responsibility. 
God's given you a dream, God's given, calling you to do something, then it's his responsibility. You know, uh, and once again, going back to like, um, maybe not such a right dream or good dream or whatever. You can't be like, God, I want to make loads of money by becoming a successful businessman because I just love money. So it's your responsibility. You know, you can't do that, obviously, right? <laughs> but if your heart is right with God and pursuing your dreams, you can be sure that he will be responsible with it. He will be the one to guide you. He will be the one to make doors open. And he will be the way to, you know, want to really lead you through it. And one revelation that really freed me from this burden or weight of things I'm supposed to do, things I'm called to do, was that I'm not asking God to be a part of my story. I'm being asked by God to be a part of his story. I'm going to say that again. I'm not, I'm not part, I'm not asking God to be a part of my story. You know, it's God asking me to be a part of his story. When we have this view, when we have this vision, when we look, th- look through this lens at the things that God's calling us to do, you will see that that burden and that feeling of like inadequacy and all of that shouldn't be there. Shouldn't be there. You Are you doubting God to call you to do this? Are you doubting his decision? Are you doubting his belief in you that you're fully capable of doing this? Are you doubting him? Because when he's calling you to be a part of his story, he knows what he's doing. And second thing I want to point out, second thing we can learn from this passage is verse um, verse 2. When Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? What have you in the house? A lot of times, God has already given you what you need. And he's not a mean God that withholds things you need until you ask for it. But a lot of times, what you are, what you feel like you lack and you don't have and you need in order for you to pursue these dreams, it's already with you. God's already given it to you. And he wants to utilize what you have. You know, God could have easily made money just fall from heaven for the widow. He's done it with manna. He's done it with food. He can definitely do it with money. You know, she could have just been like, oh, you know, raining money. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. But instead, he want, he helps us discover the giftings, resources, and connections that we already have. What is something that you already have that you can utilize to achieve your dream? For this widow, it was a jar of oil. But, you know, one commentary says that, Although a jar is the word that was used, it wasn't this jar, huge jar. It was actually a little flask. Flask like the little bottle you use to hold your anointing oil. So it was like this tiny little bottle of oil she had. That's all she had. And I think sometimes we can just easily overlook what's in in our hands because they don't seem much. They don't seem like a big deal. They don't seem that significant. You know, so I don't think this could do anything. So you kind of look, overlook it. But even that tiny bottle of oil, God had the ability to multiply a hundred thousand fold that she could pay her debt and live off of that money. 
And we have to ask God about this because we can easily just overlook it, like I said. But we have to prayerfully ask God to reveal the things that are on in, the, in our midst. God, what are the things you've already given to me that I can utilize it? You got to make it a, a matter of prayer and asking the Lord, like my first uh, point. What is that for you? I want you to like, you know, write it down in your journal so you can go home and bring it before the Lord and have the time to reflect on it. Ask the Lord for it. What is that for you? What is my jar of oil, God? And then third thing we can learn from this passage is when it says, verse 3, it says, Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. He says to go around and ask all your, all your neighbors for empty jars. And I want to point out that there's a part we can play in pursuing our dreams. I'm not talking about works or striving, but I'm talking about things that we can be faithful on our part. You know, imagine being that widow, needing to go around and knocking on her neighbor's doors, asking for jars. Can you imagine that? I don't know about your neighbors, but my neighbors are not all nice. <laughs> and I learned this when we first moved into the apartment that we're living in right now. Um, because when we moved in, there was a kid screaming and shrieking in the middle of the night at like 2, 3 in the morning almost every day for the first week. And it was very alarming, very scary. John Michael and I just woke up thinking like, man, is this kid being abused? Like, what's going on? We were almost called the cops because it was so concerning. It was that kind of cry. It wasn't like, me kind of cry so we were so scared that um uh we you know like called the kyungbi kyungbi place and whatnot but we ended up finding out that we kind of assumed that it was coming from upstairs so we left a little note asking politely very kindly asking her if she could just move the kid well you know when she cry when he cries like just out of the bedroom so we can just sleep and then we come to find out that it wasn't upstairs and instead it was downstairs and then the upstairs lady was angry <laughs> she was very angry and upset that we left a little note it's because she was an ajuma and i guess she felt disrespected or whatnot so she came down and let me have it <laughs> and i cried that day because <laughs> i i saw her like in, in the intercom and she opened i opened the door and she just like let me have it and then you know but then it was our mistake, so we like bought peace offering of fruits <laughs> and, and, and left it on our door, and she, she loves us now, you know? But you never know what kind of neighbors you have around you. And, um, and you know, with the next-door neighborhood, we were trying to give her, like, a baked goods, and John Michael makes great cookies, and, you know, as, like, a, hey, like, you know, we're here, new, so we were going to, we made these cookies so we can bless them with it. But even when I was trying to do them something good, do them a favor, this is kind of like, you know, who wouldn't want cookies from John Michael, right? <laughs> but even that, it was awkward for me to, like, knock on her door. What if this is the wrong timing? What if she doesn't like cookies? What if this? What if that? And then it's, it's not that easy thing for you to, all the more when you are trying to ask for a favor from them, it's not an easy thing for this widow to go from a door to door asking them for a jar. They probably all know her situation too. And, you know, they probably don't really 
have great like image because the widows weren't really highly, you know, I guess, looked upon at the time. But what I'm saying is that this was her act of faith. This was her faithfulness. I don't think, you know, I feel, I feel the same way about certain things that we have to do in order to achieve our dreams. There's so many things of unknowns, a lot of fears, and a lot of what-ifs and comfort zones that we have to leave behind in order for us to pursue our dreams. And for some of us creatives, it's something like, what if my work is not good enough? What if my drawing is like, people don't get it. So why just put it up online because it's, it's not good enough? Or what if learning the skill and taking this class is going to get me nowhere? Uh, you know. But for some of us, we just have to do it. Just, just start. And start somewhere. You cannot build a castle without laying down bricks one by one. Walt Disney did not build that castle, did Walt, you know, Disney World, just in one day. You got to start somewhere. And that's more God's test of our faithfulness. So I want us to ask ourselves, am I collecting jars? Collecting jars is an act of faith. Once again, not works, not striving, but is, are we doing our part in pursuing our dreams rather than just, you know, just bearing that dream away so that it's going nowhere? If the widow hadn't believed that God could fill these jars, she wouldn't have collected them. I'm sure she had doubts here and there as she's collecting jars going around. Man, is God going to fill this jar? Like, what's going to happen to these jars? But she did it faithfully. And look what happens at the end. It was filled and it provided for them abundantly. And Isaiah 49, 23, it says, those who hope in their hope, those who put their hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. We're not putting our hope. We're not putting our, we're not banking on something that we know it's going to fall apart. We're banking on the Lord that we, we know is not going to put us to shame, is not going to disappoint us. So I want to ask you guys, collecting jars can be spiritual or physical. Are you sowing in your prayers into your dreams? Are you praying for it at least once a month? Are you bringing your dreams before the Lord consistently? And are you putting yourself out there to physically do things that, you, that will get you the oil? You know, even if God wanted to pour you all these oil, if there's no jars, he can't do it. If you're not ready for it, he, can't, he simply can't fill it. I want you to turn the page to the next chapter, 2 Kings 5, actually. Verses, verse 9. You know, this revelation and this, this uh, I guess, my desire to preach on this came as I was doing my QT. And then the, the, the day after I, re, you know, read this chapter, I read chapter 5, and God was repeating himself with the same, same message. And I felt like, oh, if he's repeating himself, it's very important, you know. Verse uh, 9, 9 says, So Naaman is a guy who was the commander-in-chief for Aram, king of Aram, king Aram. And he had leprosy. And it says, so Naaman came with his, wait, wait, wait. Right? So he's basically asking Elisha to, uh, to you know, come pray healing over his leprosy. So 
Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha was sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored, and you shall be clean. Look at this, verse 11. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over my over the place and cure the leopard. Are not Abana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. But his serpent servants came near and said to him, My father, is it? It is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you, not do, will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Man, can you believe Naaman was so angry? He was like, what? I got to go all the way to Israel? Why can't Elisha just come and do it for me so I don't have to do anything? Put his hands on me and do his prayer and I'll just be clean. But doesn't that sound like pride or laziness? And he had, thank goodness, he had really smart servants to be like, but father, all he's telling you to do is just wash yourself in the river seven times. Is that so hard? Basically, they're saying that in a nice way. But... Doesn't that sound like some of us? Sometimes the things, there are things that we're contending for, but we're doing absolutely nothing about it. I mean, but if we're, if there are God, things God's prompting us on our hearts to do, we need to stop delaying it. We need to stop delaying it. And I think through an instruction like this, God is actually asking us, how much do you want it? Do you want to be healed? I mean, I'm, I understand Naaman. Maybe, probably he had to go wash himself seven times. It wasn't just like dip once, I'm healed. He had to do it seven times, which is, also, you know, like once again, like the widow had to collect jars going to door to door. Naaman had to do his part of being faithful and washing himself, believing that this will cure him. He could have given up at the, the number five and he would not be healed. But he was faithful to the end and he got healed. What is our Jordan River? What is our Jordan River? What's God telling us to do at this hour that we can be in tune with the Lord so we can start pursuing our dream? You got to be led by the Lord. It's not like, I'm going to go and do all these stuff. Maybe God will bless my dreams. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you bringing your dream before the Lord and asking him, God, what can I do with this dream? God, how are you leading me to pursue this dream step by step? And I want to do as you lead me right now and do them as God is leading you to do, do them as God is guiding you to do. That's what I'm talking about. You know, for me, I'm trying to do at least one design project a month so that I don't, my skill doesn't get rusty. And, you know, it's something that God put on my heart. And I'm trying to be faithful in it. Sometimes it's hard because it's, you know, it can be busy or whatnot. But I want you to really, like, chew on this as you go home. God, what is my jar collecting? What is my Jordan River? Should, you know, even if it's just like, you need to start praying for it. You need to start praying into it just once a month. You know, if you're not expecting about something you're pursuing or you're contending for, how could you expect anything? 
Fourth thing that we can learn from this passage is verse 6. It says, bring me another vessel. That's what the widow said. And her son, his, her son said to her, there is not another than the oil stopped flowing. The oil stopped flowing. It was done according to her faith. So the oil, the tiny oil, was kept filling and filling and filling these jars that they collected from their neighbors. But it stopped flowing to the amount of faith that she had of collecting the jars. So I don't know if, you know, I don't know if there's guarantee that if she, her and her sons got really ambitious and they collected like thousands of jars. I don't know if God would have filled it all the way. I think he would have. Because that was the faith that they had for God to provide that much. You know? And pull up the, put up the last slide again. Well, meaning the Cinderella quote. I want to point out that even Cinderella knew the power of faith. I know it's, it's like, it's not biblical. It's not from God or anything like that. But she says, no matter how your heart is grieving, if you keep on believing, the dreams that you wish will come true. But if we bring this in the context of being a people of God, if we keep believing, no matter what we see in the physical, if we keep having, putting our faith to the Lord, the dreams and the wish will come true. We got to do better than Cinderella, right? Um, you know, Jerusalem ministry staff, um, you saw that Mijang and Ji stood up and um, John Michael, myself, Mijong, Ji, and Karen Lim from Jubilee. We've been praying for North Korea every single Friday. And they've been doing it for much longer, because even before I joined it, for six years now. And during that time, as we pray into North Korea, we're not just, uh, we're praying for, yes, things of the current issues of, you know, like the concentration camps and feeding the orphans, all these things, but we do a lot of vision casting. So, and... When we vision cast, it's not like, oh, I wish it, this is my dream of blah, 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 that one day, like, you know, this would happen. But no, we believe it and believe it to the full. That there is no, absolutely no doubt. The things that we're praying for, like, we want to build a beautiful children's home in North Korea with amazing facilities, with swimming pool and, you know, everything, like gym and basketball courts, right, John Michael? <laughs> That's right. And bikes for every kid. You know, because bikes are such luxury right now. But we believe we want to get every kid a bike and we want to bike across North Korea to South Korea. And, you know, even like seeing these concentration camps being turned into churches and, you know, schools and parks and hospitals. This is our, not just our dream, but this is our vision. And we believe in it so much because we've been praying into it. That's what I'm trying to say is that if you want more faith in something, you have to pray into it. It's become a matter of fact for us now because we prayed into it so much that this is reality. This is going to come true. This is God's desire that he's put inside of us. Then, you know, it's his, it's his responsibility. He's going to make this happen. You know, like, oh, what about the money? Whatnot? You guys know the famous quote, right? God's will, God's bill. God's will, God's bill. He's going to provide all the needs. He's going to take care of everything. We know this. And for us to grow in faith... We have to keep praying into it. We have to keep asking God for vision. That's what keeps us going every single Friday. Sometimes it's hard. 
We keep praying for the same thing, same thing. Thank goodness, like, when Kenneth Bay got released, it was like, it was like oasis. Like, wow, like, man, like, you know, this is, this is happening. God is really moving. I'm not that he wasn't moving before, but when things get tough, what keeps us going is the visions and the confirmation, the, the assurance of faith that God's given us that all these things, it's his vision for us, not my vision for God. Having faith requires patience. Having faith requires patience. And you can also ask for faith when you are doubtful. And the last thing that we can learn from this passage is when Elisha said, pay your debts and you and your sons can live on the rest. She was given more than what she needed. She was given more than what she was contending for. And I want us to recognize that not only that, she could pay back the creditors and just get by and just barely save her, her sons, but they could live on what was left and God took care of them even beyond what they were contending for. Guys, God probably has much bigger dreams for you than you ever have. I don't think, maybe sometimes we dream this much and we think that, oh, maybe that's too big. But you know what? I believe that God has much, much bigger dreams for you. Because he's that much of a bigger God. So we got to dream big, guys. We got to dream big. And we have to do, we have to be alert. We have to bring that before the Lord. We have to constantly ask the Lord for, you know, guidance and seek for his wisdom in this area. And we are going to see this dream come true. Rather than just keeping it as a little dream that we keep on a bookshelf. So I want to end with these questions. Do you have a dream? You know, I think I encourage you guys to write them down so you can go home and chew on them, really meditate on them, and spend time with the Lord on this matter. Do you have a dream? How, and another thing is, how do you think God feels about your dreams? I think some of us need a revelation of how God sees our dreams, that he's not this mean God that is judging or looking upon it with, you know, like a little score sheet and tells you that, oh, this dream is not good, this dream is that. But I want, I, I think we need a revelation of the truth of how God sees our desires and our dreams. He's a loving God. He's a loving father. You know, a, a father's greatest joy is doing life with the child. It's not so that, you know, the kid will make him proud or that the father will benefit from the child's career or achievements. No. A father's greatest joy, his greatest delight is for you to live the life with him and live it to the full, knowing your identity in Christ. Living it out. Living it out. He doesn't want to see you bearing things. He doesn't want to put your gifts under a bowl. I want to close, um, invite up. I don't know who. <laughs> Susie. <laughs> And I'll just close in prayer. You know, I think that something that stood out to me while I was preparing this message was, I think there are some doubtful voices that we've been hearing, we've been listening 
that is not of the Lord, that is not from God, that just keeps us at where we are from moving forward and achieving dreams and visions that God has given us. And I think God is calling us to have nothing to do with them, renounce them. That any doubtful voice that ever told you that you can't do anything, you're no good, or you, you know, you, your future is just going to be this or that. Anything that is not in alignment with the truth of God. God said, you can do all things through me. You can do all things. There's nothing impossible for me. You can do all things through me. And I want us to really take time to search our hearts, search our minds, and to see what is it that's blocking us, that is stopping us from really living out His calling for our lives. And I want you to renounce those lies. Whether it came from your parent, whether it came from your peers, whether it came from the society, whether it came from the, the standards of this world, it, does, it doesn't matter at all when the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is the one that makes a way and makes our path straight. So I want us to declare, just in our prayers, in your own prayers, declare that God... My dreams are yours and you're going to take care of me. You're going to take care of these dreams and you're going to, you, you want to achieve these dreams with me. And I want to invite you into my dreams. I want to invite you into my visions and callings because you're the one that gave it to, gave them to me ultimately. encourage people to go home and really take this before the Lord what I talked about today these questions that's the unsaid that you have to deal with you have to figure out with your on your own with the Lord do it your do it your way go on a walk with the Lord go go um, whatever way you can hear the Lord and feel connected with the Lord do it so that you know you no longer hold back on what God's calling you to do God, I just pray, Father, for this congregation, God. I thank you, Father, that you are God who knows the plans you have for us, God. A plan to give us hope and a future, Lord. And not to harm us, Lord, but to really to really bring us, Lord, into that place of fullness. To live that life of fullness, God. Of living out our callings, God. And I thank you, Father, that we're not on our own. We're not on our own to achieve these dreams. We're not on our own, Father. But you are the one walking with us step by step, God wanting to help us, wanting to just show us the, the great miracles, Lord, in the ways you open doors, the ways you make just ways for us, God. I pray, Father, for just a release grace, Father, over this congregation, Lord, to um, just step outside of any comfort zone or fear, Lord God, of that is holding us back from pursuing our dreams, Lord. And help us, Father, to walk it out, Lord, with you. Walk it out with you, God, and do it with you, God. And we want to see, Lord, so many people coming out of this house, Lord, living out their dreams, being entrepreneurs, God, being the next Steve Jobs, being the next uh, biggest, I don't know, Facebook maker. Whoever you say great in the world is nothing compared to who you call great in your kingdom, God. So I just pray, Lord, that we can be your godly sons and daughters, Lord. Fearful, fearless, not fearful, <laughs> and courageous for you. In Jesus' name I pray.